Here we are. The Music Maniacs. Side After Dark. All right. I'm C for Graffiti. I'm Dan Berg. What's up? We're back again. Uh-huh. And we got another topic. Oh, yeah. Here on the Music Maniacs podcast, uh, we like to talk about music. Uh-huh. I don't know if you would have guessed that. <laughs> so our topic today has to do with music. Yes. I know that seems a little crazy. Yeah. But we I, are the maniacs. We are the maniacs. Crazy about music, all types of music. Today we're covering rap music. We are. Uh-huh. We're talking about somebody whose flow is nasty. Very nasty. Whose words are deep. Exactly. He's a godson. And he goes by the name of Nas. Nah. Sitting in Brooklyn. Yes, Brooklyn, home of Nas. Okay. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's get this wait, clear. Wait, wait. <laughs> Don't come after us. We will Don't. claim him here. <laughs> Brooklyn's own Nas, just like we claim Michael Jordan here, born yeah. in Brooklyn. Nas <laughs> was born in Brooklyn, though. Yeah, but he doesn't rep. He doesn't rep Brooklyn. That's how he got his gift. I would say. The only way Nas was blessed with this lyrical genius and this ability to be an artist is because he was born in Brooklyn. Because he was born in New York Jewish Hospital. Exactly. (laughs) Brooklyn Jewish and Crown Heights. That's right. Otherwise, he wouldn't have made it. Okay, forget about Queensbridge and it being some kind of musical mecca. Those are lies. It's the fact that he was born in Brooklyn. Yeah, it's all lies. Right. Yeah. uh, Never mind. I'm not going to say what I was going to (laughs) say. Queens is is good. Queens is very good. We We love Queens. We love all the boroughs. Even that one. Yeah, that one. You know. We know it. Y'all know. Exactly. Anyway, we're talking about Nas, okay? (laughs) He was born Nasir Jones. Yes. In Brooklyn. Right. But he didn't really grow up in Brooklyn. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He grew up in Queensbridge. The bridge. The the, the, the bridge. The the bridge. The largest housing projects in the country. Oh, yeah. Of the United States of America. Mm -hmm. We got to thank Frank Dello. And it always made me laugh here about Queensbridge because I was like, I wonder why they named it that. (laughs) Maybe it's in Queens. Maybe it's right next to a bridge. (laughs) Right by it. By the 59th Street Bridge. Right around. Why do they call it the 59th Street Bridge? Because that's right at 59th Street. Really? Yes. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I never would have guessed that. Mm -hmm. Genius. Genius. Very creative names in in the city of New York. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So... No, so he grew up in the Queensbridge projects. Yes. And Queensbridge is a mecca of rap music. There's countless of people that that come out of Queensbridge. I mean, starting with like the original days of hip hop, you have mm-hmm. MC Shan and Marley Marl, you have Roxanne Shante. Mm-hmm. You got so many people coming out of there that it's just insane. And it's not just the eighties. It's like every generation had somebody from Queensbridge coming out of there. So I I just feel like Nas was destined to be a rapper. If you wanna be a really great rapper, I don't think there's a better place to be. Than where Nas was born, which is Brooklyn. No, just kidding. <laughs> then Queensbridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, okay. So before we even get into like Queensbridge itself, I want to say, so his dad mm-hmm. was Oludara was a musician. Yes. Well, is a musician. He's still alive. Still alive. Still rocking music. Some really good music. Mm-hmm. Um, Nas is actually Nasir bin Oludara Jones, which mm-hmm. is like basically son of Oludara right. Jones. Yeah, Jones. <laughs> yeah, I believe uh, his real name is Charlie. I think it's I think it's Charlie. Charlie Brown? No, Charlie, Charlie Jones. Jones. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's his cousin oh. Charlie from down the way. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. My bad. My we bad. name all the kids Charlie. Yeah, Charlie mm-hmm. One, Charlie Two. <laughs> exactly, Charlie Smith. Is Charlie it? Sheen. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we're, we're, we're already, wow, we're already off to a racing start, mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, this so is no. why they love us, in the comments. <laughs> At least one person likes us. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so, so Nas's dad, he was a musician, like we were saying, that was mm-hmm. his job. Like, he was always out touring, and he was always bringing in, like, instruments from all over the world. Oh, yeah. Like, he had keyboards, he had, like, African percussion, he yes. had, uh, he played the trumpet a lot. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And Nas and his brother... 
jungle yes they used to always be fucking around with the instruments yeah that was just always something that was around so they're yeah. always you know in a musical family absolutely and yeah. then you know it's funny because Nas was born in 73 yeah and hip-hop wasn't really a thing so much then yeah yeah you know i don't know what year nas was born okay because they say he's 49 right now and he said he was born the same year as hip-hop which should be 1974 and you know what i mean i'm just confused he's a he's four he's in his late close 40s. enough exactly he's in his late 40s yeah um <laughs> but yeah so hip-hop wasn't a thing when he was born right but they were on their way but he kind of came up with it yeah that's the thing that that's what's cool about it is because mm-hmm. like so not only um you know is his dad a musician he was always exposed to music yeah. but then he's in this this place where there's so many fucking people i mean queensbridge was like ten thousand people yeah. in the fucking projects that's like that's bigger than a lot of small towns in america Absolutely. and you're talking about like four city blocks yes like it's fucking insane it really is it really is that's so crazy um i don't think we get to really know a lot but in Nas's dad's own words Nas is a bit of a child prodigy he said Nas used to pick up any instrument yeah and know how to play it really well yeah and used to be as a little kid seven six years old out playing like the horn really well i heard his dad say he was playing it when he was two that's insane which is fucking crazy yeah so we're talking about a real artist here yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and then this was the story i just heard um i think it was his dad that said this he made a joke about he was playing the trumpet so much his lip kind of like yes he started then, to get lazy yeah he got like a lazy lip and his dad made a joke about it and then he like never wanted to play the trumpet again that must have been some joke and just by his father's <laughs> cadence in the voice yeah i could see that joke really yeah hurting <laughs> yeah you know what i mean he was like fuck i don't want to do this anymore <laughs> <laughs> with your big ass lips it's probably something like that i'm never touching the trumpet again <laughs> exactly thanks dad <laughs> <laughs> but um you gotta kill your kid's ambition that's yeah, the way you do it that's step number one that's how they learn okay that's how they learn to not give a fuck about what people say. <laughs> exactly. Even your own family. That's right. Even your blood. Okay? Oh, man. I'm joking for those of you who are going to come for me. No, we <laughs> we don't make any jokes on this podcast. Not We're at 100% all. serious at all times. All the time. 100%. All news, all the time. Wait, that's somebody else's slogan. Sorry. Fair and unbalanced. <laughs> you give us 60 minutes, we'll give you... Wait. That's somebody else's slogan, sorry. Oh, slogan. oh shit. Oh, you man. didn't come up with that just now? No, I was ah, about shit. to. Ah, okay. TikTok, no, TikTok. What was the last thing we said about Nas? What is um, this episode about? Um, him being an artist, him playing at two years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We go from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so he was always into music, and he was... Apparently, he was just always just, like, really fucking smart. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even as like a little kid, they were saying people were just like drawn to him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah, so he was always into music and music was always in around. And it was interesting. Like he was saying, I saw in an interview, like, you know, they're living in this place where there's just violence everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's music everywhere as well. And like where he was at, it was, I mean, it's not really funny, but the way he said, it, he's like, yeah, we had shit that like other people didn't have like furniture yeah i'm like fuck exactly food yeah like you a know, television mm-hmm. color tv color tv and Nas was born in the 70s it's like you know so yeah. it's like it's so interesting that that's how it went down you know um but yeah unfortunately he grew up around a lot of poverty which was crazy in the bridge the, 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 the bridge, bridge. The, the br- i love that song okay <laughs> and i love the counteraction to it the bridge is over the bridge is over <laughs> i love them both <laughs> maybe we do a Queensbridge podcast one day we should i would love yeah. to talk about marley marl like they just interviewed him on some red bull academy thing like he hasn't been forgotten about which red is bull amazing academy. yeah What's, they do some kind of music. It's like a Red Bull Music Academy. I guess some type of music thing sponsored by the company, the actual company Red Bull. Yeah. And they interview different artists, you know, who have definitely gotten to legend status. Oh, shit. How did I not know about I've never heard about that. That's crazy. Wow. Okay. I'll look into that. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he was a prodigy. Nas is a prodigy. Yeah. Right? By all accounts. Mm-hmm. And this is something, I mean, I remember bringing this up uh, when we did the Wu-Tang podcast. There was one time when when he was coming up where he met RZA and he was, RZA said, you got to be 
rapping like every day for at least 10 years to be like a master yeah and he said he met Nas when he was like 16 Mm -hmm. and he was already a master yeah and i'm just like doing the math in my head i'm like so he's been doing this shit since he was like six yeah basically what yeah because his dad was saying that around 12 he was really sounding good yeah and you know it's crazy because for an adult to say that because that's not his dad's kind of music you know and and hip-hop was it took a while for the older the generation that came before the first hip-hoppers to actually accept it as a musical art form yeah yeah so for his father to actually listen to his lyricism be like man he's really good like he's great you know that's amazing Yeah, yeah 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 you know and that just proves you know how good he was and everybody apparently everybody around him knew how good he was his mm-hmm. brother was saying that like you know back in the day they'd just be in the hallway and he'd be like freestyle and they just like close their eyes and just like see everything that he was saying yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. but he was like nervous at first to like perform in front of other people yeah like he just wanted to do it with like his friends you know what i mean he wasn't necessarily like all like i'm gonna be the biggest rapper ever like i'm gonna be you know i'm gonna come out of here i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that because his mom was like very much like you got to go to school yeah right yeah like very much like if you're not going to school like it's nothing good is going to happen because mm-hmm. you're in that environment it's like if you're not going to school you're going to be selling drugs you're going to end up dead yeah and that's the generation she was from like and especially around that time late 80s or something like that if you're doing something like gaming or rapping it's just like and your young son is doing that you're like on your knees praying that he finds a straight path you know right. it's not like now right so so but when he decided that he really wanted to get into music he did drop out of school Mm -hmm. and it basically broke his mom's heart yeah they argued for a while and he was adamant about not going back to school which i can see because i know a lot of kids who went to new york city high schools that let's say you didn't go to a specialized high school you went to a quote-unquote bad school and everybody would talk about this is where i used to have to run this Mm -hmm. is where the bullies used to chase me this is where this and that happened and i know a couple of people who stopped going to school just because because the environment was just it's it takes too much mental energy just to get there right and then when you're in there and inside the school is a crazy environment as well you right. know what i'm saying you're talking about new york city so so many distractions on the way to school right and if you live in the projects it's like you're going from crazy environment to crazy environment yeah and if you're not if you're somebody that has the the just the natural talent that he had you're like i want to put all my energy into this yeah like why am i gonna go and sit in this fucking building where i gotta ask the lady if i can go to the bathroom right you know what i mean right. like nah right. i'm not doing that correct so yeah so he dropped out of school and he really he basically just ended up kind of self-teaching himself mm-hmm. like he just read like everything yeah that doctors he possibly could. books um all types of books i mean things on like anatomy and you could tell because uh it comes out in his artwork Right. 100%. Nas, Demiles Davis of rap. That's what we're going to call him. You French now? Yes, I am. <laughs> oh, what about shit. that? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it's funny because, yeah, you can really tell um, in his lyrical style that the dude reads a lot. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny. Like, we just did um, uh, Doors podcast. Yeah. And, you know, Jim Morrison and Nas, their backgrounds are so different where they came from and all this shit. But you could tell just by the level of poetry that both of them were at, mm-hmm. that both of them had to just be reading all the fucking time. Right. Like, you, there's only... In order to put out words of that level, you have to be taking in words yeah, of yeah, that level. Absolutely. And he clearly was just reading everything, mm-hmm. you know? So then his... Obviously, his vocabulary just increased exponentially. Yeah, yeah. So he's into the studio life. He's really trying to get that done. We really have to mention this story about his friend William, who was his Ill best will. friend. Yep, and the two of them were like a Run DMC. They were going to make it together. And Will was going to be on the the turntable. On the turntable, because yeah. that's what you need: two turntables and a, and a mic, microphone. right? And um, so Nas is chilling in some apartment, and Will is outside with Nas's brother Jungle, and um, something happens. Somebody rolls up on them. Um, they think it's a robbery. The guy has a gun, and Will ends up getting shot in the back um, three, three times. times, and he dies right there. We have to mention Ill Will because Nas mentions Ill Will. And Jungle time. got shot too. Yeah, Jungle leg. gets shot in the leg also, and he survives. Yeah. Um, thank goodness. Shout out to the Bravehearts, Jungle, and all of them and the crew. Um, what you call Shout out to Mel Gibson. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, my bad. <laughs> you know rap. You know they named themselves the Bravehearts right after that movie. Okay. Like, let's go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so um, Will dies, um, and you have to mention him because Nas mentions him. From the time you know Nas, you know Ill Will. Like, yeah. You know, you just do. So shout out and rest in peace to Ill Will. Um, sorry that we uh, never got to know you. But with that, that just catapults Nas's focus. Like, right. he's got to rap now. Right. And it's interesting because, like, I, I saw, like, interviews with, like, his cousins and his family members. And they were like, when Will died, they were like, there, one of two things is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Either Nas is going to go off the deep end and mm-hmm. he's going to be dead soon mm-hmm. and just not give a fuck about anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Or he's just going to double down on the art, mm-hmm. which clearly is what he did or we wouldn't be talking about him right now. Exactly. Exactly. And I know, um, I believe it was his grandmother or something that said that what really saves a lot of kids in that environment is the family structure. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really matter if like your parents divorce young, like kids did and stuff like that. If you know, like who plays what role, who does what, if you know your parents care about whether you're in school or not, where are you today? Did you go do this? Is that then? Then you're able to flourish, I think, and that was a gift that was given to Nas. I think you know. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, he knew both of his parents, mm-hmm. so that's that's a big deal right there. Especially you're talking about. He told a story once. I mean, like he was hanging out with his friend, and then his his friend's mom just died of a heroin overdose, yeah. and they're just watching his friend's mom come out in a body bag and Mm -hmm. he's just like this is fucked Mm -hmm. like why does this have to happen but yeah no he was pretty fortunate in that respect that he had i mean his parents split up when he was 12 yeah 13 but he knew both of them exactly and they were around while he was growing up you know what i mean so that is that definitely is important to give you know a little bit of structure Mm -hmm. um but yeah so he really doubles down on rap Mm -hmm. and he hooks up with this producer large professor he hits the studio and he's in there and we've got to mention these producers okay yeah, yeah. because large professor wasn't just a producer he had his own group called mm-hmm. main source and they have music out if you're a real hip-hop like you know if you really want to get into the history of it main source was a good group and they did have great music and like i will mention all the other producers coming mm-hmm. up but every single one of those producers on Nas's first album had their own group yeah. with fire records yeah, yeah yeah as well and it's this is a cool, cool story that um i heard when we were looking up things for this so apparently large professor was doing something with eric b and rakim mm-hmm. and like during the times where they were like go out of the studio he would like rush Nas in to try to like record during their studio time mm-hmm. Um, and apparently Rakim came in one day. Yes, and saw Nas. And Large Professor's like, yo, you gotta check out this kid. Like, listen to this verse. And, and Rakim would just listen to his, like, respect or, yeah. or fucking whatever. He was just like, you, you got something here. Like, don't don't stop. Don't stop. That must have been so amazing for him. Nas said it was like a dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when you rate your MCs, uh, even back in that time, I feel like it was Rakim and then there was Nas. Nas was like the second coming of Rakim. yeah. Yeah, I can see that because, I mean, I wasn't around at that time, but I, I've always listened to Rakim and I always thought like he was so much better than everyone else at the time, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like just his style was just crazy. Mm-hmm. Just like the way that he like structured his rhymes and shit. And I know that Nas is probably thinking that too. So for him to hear that from him mm-hmm. must have been just like a crazy boost of like, okay, like I, this is really what I need to do. Exactly. Like I already thought this is what I had to do, but now it's for sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So he gets in the studio. Um uh it's getting to a point where uh I think his mom is start it got sick. I not yet, not, not yet. yet. Okay. Yeah. Um but he goes to um he starts making the music and he starts battling and he's deciding how hard he wants to go and he actually goes to mc search mm-hmm. who's another producer and um i'm just gonna call him what it is a gatekeeper mc search is definitely a gatekeeper so he goes to mc search who was around the studio already right. you know and they're in queensbridge and the whole school of rappers are pretty much around at the same time so you've got pretty people probably like capone and noriega in the studio mm-hmm. um Quamega, uh mob deep because we're figuring it's all all the elite coming up so mc search is the one who really really puts him on puts him on like mm-hmm. opens the door um and mc search had his own group called third base and they are uh essential to hip-hop as well and then he gets nas gets a whole bunch of fire producers on his album he gets fucking dj premiere shout yeah, out to brooklyn yeah, again yeah, yeah, yeah. from gangstar i can't believe it 
he gets Q-tip from a tribe called Quest. Shout out to Queens. And he gets Pete Rock, who also is a great producer. Had a group called Pete Rock and CL Smooth. And shout out to Mount Vernon. I think that's where Pete Rock is from. But all those producers in their own rights had their own fire beats for their own groups. Yeah. So once they came together for Nas's album... Well, that's what they were saying. They were like, you know that this kid was a prodigy to bring all these people together on one album. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so the song that actually made him pop was um, with Large Professor's group, right? The yeah. fuck, What was the name of the song? The so, Something about a barbecue? Yeah. Um, I thought it was Back to the Grill Again, but um, uh, it's some other song about a barbecue, and I don't remember what it is, but I know Back to the Grill Again is definitely yeah. one of the um, remixes that Nas was on. Yeah. Well, he just came in with this verse, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes it's like all you need is one verse. Yeah. It's like... Like all you need is one mic. One like mic, all, one, one, one mic. One mic. <laughs> it's funny because like, you know, you could be doing something for so long and then there, you could just have one thing that all of a sudden puts you over the top. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like this verse that he had on this track where everybody heard it and was just like, holy shit, mm-hmm. who is this kid? This mm-hmm. He's 17? What the fuck? Mm-hmm. This guy's good. This guy is like the chosen one. This yeah. guy's a fucking prodigy. Like yeah. he's going to be next. Yeah. You know what I mean? People are like already saying that just off that verse. Yeah. So then that's when he, all these producers started coming around because exactly. they kind of heard of him like through the grapevine and from that. Yeah. They were kind of like, okay, like I'll work with this guy. Right. I believe the verse was when he was 12, he went to hell for snuffing, snuffing Jesus. Jesus. Who wants to snuff Jesus? Some people want to snuff Jesus. Uh, <laughs> we don't like that name. <laughs> snuff and Jesus could be like a metal band name. <laughs> oh, man. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But, um, okay, yeah. So he's in the studio with all these producers. And he's working on this album that... I don't know if this was if you, if this was always the working title, but it's Illmatic. Mm-hmm. Which is considered to be one of if not the greatest rap albums of all time absolutely didn't have too much commercial success but in the hood we loved it well that's that's something that we could talk about because so this came out in 94 Mm -hmm. and another big album came out in 94 ready to die right and illmatic all the people that were like into rap music and like lyricism were like this is next level shit Mm -hmm. like this is fucking amazing Mm -hmm. and it didn't sell to the extent that you would expect something to sell when the when the hype is so big around it and it got like five mics in the source and shit absolutely and that was the big deal because they were pretty much two magazines that were running things at that time it was vibe magazine ran by quincy jones and the source ran by benzino and they would credit you with mics and that Mm -hmm. was like the first album to ever get five mics because the source wasn't giving five mics to no Unless your name was Nas. Uh-huh. Right? So, yeah. So, but Ready to Die came out by Biggie and had, like, some more commercial songs on it. Mm-hmm. So, that ended up selling more. Mm-hmm. And that kind of affect the way that Nas goes forward after Illmatic a little bit. Because he kind of sees how that works. Yeah. He's like, okay, like, clearly I have, like, the, the torch or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. everybody knows that I'm fucking an amazing rapper. Mm-hmm. But I need to make the world know in a way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he comes out with, it was written. But I don't want to go straight to it yet. Because I want to talk more about Illmatic. Yeah. <laughs> Illmatic was crazy. That was some album. It was like a breath of fresh air. People really needed all that um, consciousness and lyricism. Especially here in New York. Um, um, there was just two different types of rap. You was either partying a lot, or mm-hmm. you really um, gangstering a lot, or you're just really talking about conscious stuff. Right. And around the mid '90s, that's when like the conscious stream really like blew up, and Nas was pretty much at the helm for that. Well, he he was because that the thing is is just like his his lyrical prowess was so expert that he really like he was. You know, I was seeing interviews with him. He's like, this is like that album is like the side of America that people don't want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Right. Because that's what he lived. Like he wasn't just making this shit up. Right. Like This is the shit that he was actually living. And, you know, he he was actually telling the story. Yeah. Because, you know, there's all the time you go on. Oh, two people shot and killed here. Two people shot and killed here. You don't hear the fucking story about it. Mm -hmm. It's just a statistic. Mm -hmm. But when you're putting that onto a record and you're having people listen to it, you're like, this is what's actually happening. Mm -hmm. This isn't just the end result. This is everything that's going into it. This is the mindset. This is what everybody's doing. Mm -hmm. Like this is 
this is the actual like psychology almost of a person in this situation. Yeah, I love the way he describes things. You know, one song he's particularly talking about some young kid who's just like nine years old who's got a gun and talking about how rough it is out here. And he's talking to the shorty or whatever. And, you know, he says, and then I rose and wiped the blunt's ashes from my clothes. Like, it's yeah. like little things like that, like, you know, that make the pictures so vivid. Yeah, just the little details and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's these things. I mean, I know this wasn't this was a hook. This was AZ, but like, uh, like I think about this in my head all the time. Life's a bitch, and then you die. That's why we get high, cause you never know when you're gonna go. And it's like that's very real for them, but that's real for everybody mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. You really don't know when you're gonna go ever. Mm-mm. So that's that's just like there's certain lines from. I mean, that album and you know many now songs that I'll just sometimes will just pop up in my head. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm like, oh fuck. Where did that come from? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that album was insane. I feel like um, pretty much every track on that album was amazing, and people loved his mixtape style, freestyle and stuff. They first threw Hang Time at us, which got too much play (laughs) on TV. Like, it was out of control. But, I mean, I feel like One Love was, like, the main one on the album that really did everything for him. And it had, like, four remixes, which was, Mm. like, insane. And that's when people used to do stuff like that. And then I think that that one was huge. And um, and then after that, I, I don't know why it didn't get super commercial success, but at that time, rap was going for a turning point. You had the West Coast, and it was right. all about partying and drinking, and, and Biggie and them were all about just getting money. It wasn't about being smart anymore. Well, I think that is why it wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, that it, because he wasn't, I mean, if you listen to like the gold, like whatever, 91 to 94, like that age of like the biggest rap albums, like I would say Omatic is probably the realest. Mm-hmm. Like he's not trying to to necessarily portray something other than what it is. Right. Whereas like Ready to Die, like there is some real parts of that album. I mean, Biggie's talking like it's an everyday struggle that he literally ends the album with him killing himself. Yeah. Like he's not necessarily glamorizing everything the whole time, but then there are certain songs where he's like, this is... I made this song to party. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I made this to be a hit. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Obviously, they had different formulas because Nas was doing underground beats and Big was yeah. just taking popular songs and, yeah. and rapping over them. So you could tell. Yeah. But I do want to say the, the beats on Nomadic are fucking wild. Insane. Insane. Still to this day, they give you they give you that hair raising that feel where they go yeah. through you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it sa- it really sounds like some underground shit. Mm-hmm. Like it sounds like some shit that like you almost shouldn't be able to hear right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially like because you know, I, well, you're from New York. Yeah, I was from fucking Florida, and I'm listening to this shit. I'm like, yo, this. This sounds... I feel like this sounds like how New York feels. Yes. As, yes. You know I what feel, I mean? Mm-hmm, Nas, Nas and a lot of others, but Nas in particular, a lot of people that come out of Queensbridge too, uh, Mop Deep, um, their beats sound like New York. Yeah. And I always felt that even while, you know, being a young person that didn't even think about New York like that. I was right. just home, you yeah. know, but it felt... Their beats felt like they gave me visions of buildings guys hanging outside like they did yeah yeah 100 percent. so but again i mean we just said that he had so many fire producers on the album it's like well it kind of makes sense mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what i mean mm-hmm. but yeah i mean there's a reason why it's one of the most legendary rap albums albums yeah ever yeah absolutely you know? absolutely and just the storytelling is so vivid yeah because um and then he right he does it was written right after yeah, yeah. so that was the follow-up and that became number one album in the country yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. For like four weeks. And it was a little bit of a conscious effort by him to like, okay, like I've already cemented myself as a crazy MC. Mm-hmm. Like I need to make some more money. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> the streets already love me. Right. He's like, no. well, that's the thing that's really interesting. And, you know, this will come up more as we talk about, you know, more of his discography. But it's like, Illmatic is like, he became, in the rap community, it's like huge. Like you're fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to the mainstream, not so much, didn't really like break through. So you... He might have been really known in certain circles, but that doesn't necessarily mean he has all this money coming in. Exactly. There's a big difference between being popular with people and being popular in the industry. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm going to take a quote out of Belly, which Nas starred in, what DMX's character said to Nas's character. Shorty can't eat no books. Okay? (laughs) So... So Nas is like, I need some hooks. Exactly. On the next album. <laughs> um, fuck. Yeah, so the next album it was written, um, he purposely made a few songs mm-hmm. 
to be his. Oh, yeah. Like, um, he got Lauren Hill on the track, right? Yeah. Fire track. If I rule the world. Imagine that. You know, and that song went huge. Uh-huh. And that song, the album went multiple times platinum, almost not only because of the success of that song, but kind of on the back of that song. Yeah. Because it became a huge single. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And that kind of you know, accomplish what he was trying to do as far as that. Yeah, he started changing up things, you know, like the video for Street Dreams he mirrored after Casino. Mm. And he even got uh, an actor from Casino to be in the video. Like he's dressed as Robert De Niro. It's just hilarious. Um, But uh, that video is hilarious. And it's got some great songs on that album as well. And right about this time, he's also doing a collaboration album with uh, Foxy Brown and AZ, which Mm. is The Firm. That's fire as well. Pretty much every track. Shout out. Shout out. I was going to say shout out to Brooklyn, but it's only Foxy from Brooklyn. Uh, and AZ shout Foxy. out to the five boroughs. Exactly. Why do we got to be fighting with each other? No, no, no. Gangs of New York. Can't we all just get along? It's the Warriors all over again. <laughs> um, yeah, we live in... Uh, what, was it, what was it called in the Gangs of New York? Uh, five Points? Yeah. Yeah, Five Points. <laughs> shout out to Five Points. <laughs> I'm with Bill the Barber. The Butcher. The Butcher, the yeah, Butcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Baker, the Candlestick Maker. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so the second album brings him to more commercial success. Mm-hmm. And this is, um, this is a turbulent time in hip-hop history when that album comes mm-hmm, out. Because mm-hmm. So it's interesting. So this was during the, the whole East Coast, West Coast thing. And Tupac mentioned Nas in a song. Yeah. For, like, no fucking reason. <laughs> the left-fieldness of this time and era. And so, and literally, like, they were at a party, and, like, I think it was in Bryant Park, they said. Mm-hmm. And Nas saw Tupac, and he was just like, what's going on, man? Like, yeah. I never made a fucking song about you, bro. Like, what is this? And apparently, they talked it out. He was like, my bad. Like, you're my fucking brother. I'm, I'll, I'll take you out of the song. Like, blah, blah, blah. Come meet me in Vegas next week. Oh, my God. Literally, he was like, come meet me in Vegas. I'm going to be there in a few days. Yeah. And Tupac never left Vegas. Right. He passes away at that time, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But um, that's uh, that whole story that you just told, for those of us who remember Tupac, that's how he was. It's like one minute is this, next minute is that, and you're just exhausted. Well, you know, I don't, I would, didn't really consciously remember this time, but I feel like the vibe I get looking back at Tupac and like the stories, I feel like he's more of a shoot first, ask questions later kind of guy. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he'll, just, he'll just take shots of someone in a song, like, for not really a reason. And then he'll see him and be like, oh, shit, you're right. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> you know it's what all I mean? love, man. Yeah. Like, he, was, he was a passionate guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We'll do an episode on him at some point. Absolutely. We got to. Uh, Tupac, another person from New York. <laughs> <laughs> also Baltimore? Um, or, or do we not talk about that? Do we we not? don't talk about that. Oh, okay. we don't talk about that. Okay. What's new in Baltimore, anyway? <laughs> um yeah so second album and then we're moving along we're moving it along we're creeping into the late 90s the third album and this is after biggie died also yes because that wasn't long after tupac i'm sure you already kind of knew that but Mm -hmm, so yeah mm -hmm. the two of them they they, that was a fucking crazy time in hip-hop yeah and Nas is kind of like i mean if you're Nas at that time you got to be like shit like am i next they all thought they were next but especially i mean if you're Yes, if you you're know t- what I mean. All the top tier rappers thought they were next. They How were could all you not making "If I Die" songs? Yeah, yeah, they all they all did, and it was like almost exhausting too with that as well. It's like stop it, Eminem, stop <laughs> it, Fat Joe. You're not gonna die. <laughs> you yeah. too, Jay Z. He's another one. Well, we'll get to him. Jay Z. We'll get to him. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be making his appearance uh, shortly. Um, but yeah, so after it was written, now he went from just like acclaim from all the rappers and like the community and the culture to like big time like money. Mm-hmm. And then the albums that he drops after that obviously is a bit of a change in the yeah. lyrical content and just kind of the style. Yeah. But I have to, I want to say, so like, it's easy to be like, oh, what, you forgot where you came from, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. Like, cause think, you gotta think about it like this. Like if you're, if you're somebody like him that came from that situation and you on just your own talent and your own skills and your own ambition, you rise up to that level. Yeah. You might start thinking like, maybe I am the fucking shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, you know, you might have a little bit of ego as people do. Yeah. But then also now you actually have money. 
Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you have a whole different life. Exactly. So the music is not going to be the same. No, it's There's not no going to be the same. <laughs> I didn't like the Nostradamus album um, at that time. My thoughts were, somebody need to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> for sure. I didn't like a shorty say, what's your price? If you back it up, you can hold my ice. I did not like that one, but I wasn't in the club in that one, but everybody who was older that was going to the clubs loved that one in the Mm -hmm. clubs. I mean, he had his brother and his brother's crew on that album as well. Bravehearts did um, appear there as well. Uh, To me, it was just, it wasn't Nas that that we knew. And you know me. (laughs) You know me. Don't get too big on me. Don't you dare. (laughs) Well, he was getting big. But he was getting big. (laughs) But it's funny how that works because people n- could tell that he was switching up a little bit and people weren't really happy about it. Mm-mm. So it's like kind of like, I'm not going to say he was falling off, but it's like he clearly wasn't at like the peak of his abilities. Yeah. And there was this other rapper mm-hmm. from Brooklyn. Yeah. From the Barcy Projects. Yes. Who kind of saw that as an opportunity. Yes, he did. <laughs> Which, look, I mean, honestly, I got to give him credit for seeing the opportunity and going for it. I got to give him some credit and be like, look, like, if we're talking about top dog, like, Nas was top dog. Yeah. And he's slipping a little bit. This could be my, this is my chance. Yeah. And he went for it. He went for it. Um, we're talking about Jay-Z, if you don't know. We're talking about Sean Carter, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Jigaman, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Jehovah, a.k.a. Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, I feel like, I'm just going to sum up the end of it, and we're going to get into the deep thicket of it. Wait, I we're going to go back to front? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I feel like the genuine New York consensus was that it was very left field of Jay-Z to do this. Mm-hmm. And, like, usually, like, how Big came up, Big didn't have to shit on anybody. Because he was so good. He just rapped. He exactly. Was so good. And I feel like that was an issue with Jay-Z because we had so many kings of New York at that time. You know, mm-hmm. we had Prodigy, we had Nas, we had Big, we had so many people that it was hard for Jay-Z to really be the standout person. So I feel like that's why he did it that way because there was no other way for him to really shine but that he had to actually write Dear Summer because he felt like New York wasn't showing him love and he made so many summer songs for New York right so like there was almost there was too much competition yeah so he had to do something really really crazy and I feel like for New York that was too crazy it was too left field and and certain things that he said in the song was too scummy even for New York (laughs) You know, like what? Like I slept with your baby's moms and busted on your kid's baby seat. Like, come on, dude. Even Jay's own mother was like, "Don't do <laughs> like, that." Like, what? You don't do that. Yeah. Like, well, there's a few things I was thinking about this when I when I was you know thinking. So, first of all, do you think it has anything to do with the Queens versus Brooklyn aspects? Uh, somewhat. I mean, those are big projects in Queensbridge, and Jay is from huge projects. Marcy is mm-hmm. big. Like, when you take the bus through it, I'm intimidated. Yeah. Even in the 2000s, I'm, like, scared. Yeah. Because it's huge. You just feel like, You're just looking God. up like, fuck, and you feel trapped, right? Yes, yes, you do, you know? So, I think it was one of those things, even on, like, Mob Deep songs, I think Prodigy said one thing about... What, going to see some shorty that lived in Marcy's project and Jay-Z was upset he was like oh you trying like, to talk what? shit about us yeah, like yeah. he thought it was a jab at them right. and if you don't know Jay-Z like as a rapper he is he's an artist so he's a sensitive guy that's definitely true he doesn't certain things he doesn't like like you yeah. know what I mean and he feels away a lot of times so I can see him getting upset yeah and I do think it was like a Queens Brooklyn kind of thing and it's just a top dog kind of thing you know Biggie's gone you right. know, and somebody's got to be the top. And right. How else it, do you do it? it? This is I always love when we when we do New York shit because you I love hearing your perspective on it because you were here. Yeah. And I was nowhere near here because <laughs> in my head, I always thought that Biggie was just top dog when he was alive. Right. Yeah. Like he like it was Biggie and then everybody else. Yeah. In my head. And then once Biggie left, it's like there's a like a power void. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then it's like it's almost like when like um, when a fucking country gets overthrown. Like a dictator gets overthrown. Now there's a bunch of infighting. It's like, well, who's going to be on the top now? Right. That's almost what I saw it as after Big died. It's yeah. like, well, now everybody's like, well, fuck. Well, what's the pecking order now? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And definitely. Jay's like, I think the pecking order is that I'm the best. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what I mean? I and I, I can't. 
be mad at him. For, I can you can be mad at him for certain things that he said in the song, but for him wanting to do that, I'm like he had the ambition to do it. I can't really hate on him for that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, absolutely. it is kind of left field, right? It definitely is very. It was very left field, and it yeah. was just like ugh. So you know, in in everybody's mind, I think generally, I feel like people were like Nas better dust off that vampire coffin and pop the <laughs> f up. And do something about it. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, he came out with Ether. They actually debuted it on the radio. Well, we should say the the, the song the, that started it was Takeover. Jay-Z, we didn't even say that yet. Yeah, and he does this <laughs> song at Summer Jam. And he runs down a gamut of MCs who he wants to destroy. Prodigy mm-hmm. included. And I don't forgive you for that, Jay-Z. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Um, but um, uh, he he just like, you know, he talks about Nas. He talks about all the top five rappers. Because he was trying to be top dog. Exactly. He was trying to put himself up there. And he was hitting below the belt, talking about babies, moms, pulling out young pictures of you in ballet's class. And, you know what I'm saying? And it was just out of control. And people were just like, look, we don't know if we really like you or not. <laughs> let's see what Nas had to say about this because we knew him longer and we know you were a fan of Nas yeah. trying to get on call it Nas's house there's documentary on Nas's <laughs> album <laughs> oh so it's funny there's a few things that I want to say about that so it's interesting because I always liked the song takeover mm-hmm. more than I liked the song ether uh-huh. for one reason uh-huh. and that was the beat you see, and I hated it for that reason. Because the beat sampled 5 to 1 by The Doors. Exactly. And like we said in our last episode, The Doors were the first band that I was ever a fan of. And at the time when I was discovering all this shit, I was just getting into rap music. Yeah. So when I heard that song, I was like, oh shit, like rappers know about The Doors too? And it made me really excited. Yeah. So I think it's interesting because now I didn't even really see it in the context of the beef as I was like learning all this shit because this was after it already happened when I'm like learning all this shit. Right. So I was just like, oh, this song is fire. And it got fucking, they got Jim screaming and then Jay-Z's talking his shit. Yeah. And then now I see it in the context. I'm just like, oh. Yeah. This is kind of wild. All right, and you look over at me, and I'm like, I hate this. You're like, you like that song? You don't like that song. I hated that song, one, because I didn't like the authenticity of the sampling. I Mm. felt like the doors weren't being sampled that much in hip-hop, so to pull them out of nowhere felt like, to me... I got to go through these al- albums and find the best sample I could find. That's what it felt like. Is that a problem to, though? N- yeah. When you're not really like connected to the music you're sampling, I feel like that's an issue. Well, that's, well, I guess we could talk about that because Kanye produced that. <laughs> Kanye produced that. So that we could go into a whole other thing about that. Cause I don't know. I mean, Kanye might fuck with the doors. May, but I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. I doubt it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yay, but I doubt it. Cause he says a lot of words in his raps and stuff like that. And he doesn't even know what they mean. So and he'll tell you that. So that's why I'm just like I don't I don't know for sure. And that's what it felt like. It's like I just gotta. I, it felt like a formula as opposed to something really connected to you. And that's yeah. just how it felt. And I'm in Brooklyn right now. We're technically not allowed to put to diss uh, Brooklyn people when you're outside of Brooklyn. So I'm safe. Yeah. Just let if we were know. like ten blocks that way, we couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. Okay. <laughs> We'd be in Queens. All right. So this is actually love coming from me to Jay Z. Um, yeah, I was uh, kind of annoyed at the authenticity of it, that, and then I just felt like, I felt like Jay-Z was doing exactly what he was doing. He was doing like, kind of like a desperate grab for the crown. And it felt like that because we were all in the mix of it and we were here. We knew exactly what it was. So we, as, um, I feel like most New Yorkers couldn't wait for Nas to say something (laughs) and do something about this. And that's the thing that's funny is because Nas and I, you know, I respect this mindset as well. He was just like... Why would I respond to that? Mm-hmm. He was like, who the fuck? This guy used to be all up on my shit. Mm-hmm. Now he's trying to make a name for himself. I'm not going to boost you up by putting you in a song. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'm not going to respond. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Nah, why? And like everyone around him basically is like, yo, mm-hmm. what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like tear his ass up. Mm-hmm. And I think eventually it was his brother that really convinced him to do it. Yeah, it was And he was just like, all right. And I was just, I mean, I was literally listening to that track, Ether, on the way here yeah. just now when... Uh, I was coming back from the Venezuelan restaurant mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it's so funny because it's like now I when I think of it now I have so much more um, respect for that song just as like a performer mm-hmm. because not only is it crazy like rhymes but also the I 
mm-hmm. will yeah. not lose. Yeah. I just think about that. I'm like, that's a fire thing to do with a crowd. Mm-hmm. Like, that is some hype shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it get, that gets me pumped up. Yeah. And I'm like, this is kind of a different level yeah, of exactly. song. Yeah. Like, this is clearly a better song. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, Absolutely. That... That was the greatest part about it. And it wasn't just because you felt his emotion. Yeah. You know, and he was literally connected. Like, you could tell the rap was everything for him. And that's all that he was. Like, even if you you see him now, right? Yeah, he's got a restaurant. But what does he do? Who is he? He's a rapper. rapper. Yes. He's not. He doesn't own a clothing brand. Right. He's not in movie. Well... He's not really much of an act. He doesn't act a lot. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a, that's who he is. And, and we felt that. Like, and, you know, uh, Angie Martinez put it up on the radio and there was the poll. And I felt like I didn't even have to, I never call radio stations. And I, I, like, everybody was like, you don't even have to call in. Like, you know what I mean? We know this song. Everybody knows. This one's going to murder it. Yeah. And also, I mean, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but also, this was a time like, um, Nas' mom had fucking cancer mm-hmm. and, like, um, him and his, his, um, what was her name who had his daughter Carmen Carmen and they were broken up and then Jay-Z talked about so there was it wasn't only a rap thing like his his there was a lot going on in his life right now and a lot of emotions to potentially put into the music yeah and you can kind of feel that during this time and like in his music there's so much passion going into it yeah it's more than just like yeah I'm gonna do this to boost myself up Right. Yeah. And and there's a lot of stuff that he was saying that was on our minds. You know, I feel like for like four or five songs, Jay-Z started them off with a Biggie rhyme. And mm. Biggie had just died. And it was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then Nas was like, how much of Biggie's rhyme is going to come? And that everybody was just like, somebody said it, you know. Yeah, 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 and Jay-Z yeah. even had to come back with another song. It was just like, I'm just bigging up my brother, bigging up my people. And we get it, too. But at the same time, it's like, no, like we heard those rhymes already. Yeah. They're not yours <laughs> yeah and at a certain point it's just like the track he it's just a better there's just better rhymes it's like you did what you could do but you you didn't beat him yeah you nas won like i'm sorry like yeah and you brought jim into this how the fuck dare you yeah <laughs> don't bring mr morrison into this don't bring jim and don't bring zeppelin into any i will always hate those songs i don't care how good they are what, the one with Diddy where if, he had Jimmy Page on it? Yeah, yeah. If you sample Zeppelin and you sample The Doors, I'm just, that's an automatic hate for me. <laughs> Damn, I'm not going to show you those beats I've been working on. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, so so after that, it's clearly like, yeah, Nas is king of New York, mm-hmm. right? He, he regained the throne. He did, absolutely. Right? And then now also, I mean, Jay-Z kind of lit a fire under him because we were saying like he was kind of falling off a little bit because his shit was getting a little more commercial. Yeah. But after that, he was like just going back to what he was doing, really. He mm-hmm. was like, nah, like I'm going to give the people what they want from me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And or, I think this is around the time that his mom died as well. Yeah. It was around then. His mom passes away from breast cancer. Rest in peace to Anna Jones. And um, he goes, he needed to get away from it all. Mm -hmm. So he goes, he needed to travel. So he goes to, apparently he goes to Jamaica. And he bucks up with Junior Gong. Hey. Damian Marley, who out of all the Marley kids, I feel is his dad. You know what I mean? That's the fire is in Junior Gong. And that album, Distant Relatives or Distant Cousins? Distant Distant Relatives. Relatives. And this is actually, now that we're talking about, this is actually the first thing that we're talking about that I remember happening. Because I remember when that came out, I was listening to that all the time. Fire album. Yeah, I was like, this is fucking amazing. Hell yeah. And I didn't really even know, this again, I didn't really even know really Nas too much at the time, but that had just came out and I was like, this is fucking great. And that was part of what made me look into Nas more was Uh that album. Okay. You know? Um... But yeah, so yeah, that album's fucking great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he just keeps putting shit out. Yeah, he keeps doing what he does. I mean, we're definitely missing albums here, though. Yeah, I mean, well, Stillmatic is the one that came out. Um, That's uh, the one that had Ether on it. Yes, yeah, yeah that yeah. was the one. Um, before, uh, after it was written, it was Nostradamus and I uh, Am. Uh, right? Mm, Didn't they? Those two came out the same year, I think. Uh, not Nostradamus. Yeah, yes, it was yeah. on that. Yeah, I didn't necessarily like that song either. I liked it. It was good because he had a kind of slick Rick style that he was doing mm-hmm. for that particular song. And I thought that was cool because he was even trying to do a fake accent, like <laughs> slick Rick's accent. But um, yeah, what am I talking about? I really liked that song. I did. I did. Because he was like, save the music, y'all. 
Hip don't get too dead. big on us yeah there's the hip-hop is dead album mm-hmm. um there's the godson i believe album i think that one gets the grammy nas finally gets a grammy um i think it's godson no i thought he didn't get a grammy until like last year it's not no nah, godson was uh we'll, we'll figure we, we can cut this out if we don't know but okay i think i don't remember there's a lot of he has like 14 albums now mm-hmm. so it's kind of hard to remember the order of all mm-hmm. of them to be honest really and truly um, I don't remember. Was Godson the one he did right after his mom died? Maybe. Should we look this up? No. Okay. No, nah, we're in it. <laughs> Y'all tell us in the comments. Tell us in the comments. You're okay. our lifeline. You know, in like, uh, who wants to be a millionaire? It's like phone a friend. Y'all are our friends yeah, that we're phoning. So exactly. Tell us. And you know, uh, by reason, you know why I stopped paying attention, right? Why I can't count the albums after, right? Why? Because he got too big. <laughs> got too big i'll just remember 94 nas and that'll be it just the, the one album. i'll just have my nostalgia oh that i'm just nas. gonna play re- hillmatic on repeat for the rest of my days <laughs> he got a little too big for his britches after that stillmatic you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> but, um, um no it's hard for me to keep track of all the albums but um i know distant relatives af- right around after there hip-hop did kind of die because about 2006 he signs to def jam and then he makes the Hip Hop Is Dead album. Yeah. And then he has the album right after that where he wanted to call the N-word. And everybody was like, hell fucking no. Okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he didn't call it that. That, I remember that also was happening. And, like, I was, like, 13. Like, <laughs> fucking white kid from Florida. I didn't even really understand why. Like, I was like, I don't really know why this is, like. So, I didn't know the history of, like, the word or anything. I just knew that was, like, the worst thing you could call a black person ever. Uh-huh. And I remember him trying to do that. And I was like. That's fucking wild. That's gonna be I'm nuts. like, how the fuck are you trying to... And I was so young. I was like, you can't do that. My first thing, if I ever saw him in person, is like, you don't have enough money? Like, that would have been <laughs> what I would have asked him. I was like, holy shit, that's crazy. So yeah, so then eventually it became just Untitled. Yes, it's an Untitled album. That's so funny that he got so much heat. I mean, even Al Sharpton had something to say. Like, Every, you know, Even 50 Cent had something yes, to say. Yes, it's like, <laughs> why are you going to do that? 50 was annoyed. Yeah, like, he was just like, why? Yeah. Yeah. Um... So that was crazy. What else? Fuck. What was I going to say? Um, he's, he married Khalees. Yes, he did marry Khalees. And that's something else I want to talk about. Because I literally only know her from the Milkshake song. Okay. Because that's another thing. Like, I don't... Was she, like, a big deal at the time? Like, I don't really know how big she was. Like... Oh, man. Um, I would say Khalees was big in the hood because you can get so big in the hood. I mean, yeah. and everybody will know you. <clears throat> she was kind of on the... Um, hip-hop r&b type singer level um i would say probably yeah I, she was big in the hood and it was neptunes so neptunes was on the come up oh and so they, they produced i didn't know he was like stuff. oh okay yeah pharrell and chad and stuff like that she Shout hates them now though but um <laughs> why they own all the rights to her music and she doesn't get a penny of this e- so milkshake plays and plays Classic. and plays and pharrell gets paid, and it brings all the boys to pharrell's yard yeah and pharrell was dating khalees at that time and oh. told her totally that they would split it all three ways and still jerked her you gotta get that shit in writing oh my gosh girl yeah she was like 18 19 though she didn't know but yeah she was she was hood big hood big so that's mm-hmm. good enough as far as i'm concerned because it's like underground and you're still charting right. as well um i always felt that was a mismatch I know that they made kids, mm-hmm, but I yeah. always felt it was a mismatch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Don't ask me why. I just didn't think it was a good match. Well, apparently you were right. <laughs> Come to me. They were married like uh, 40 or something like that. Yeah. And then um, they divorced while she was pregnant. And she didn't even tell him where she was having the baby. He found out from TMZ. Harvey. That's fucking, that's fucked up. That is fucked that's up. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah, and then the two of them really butt heads, and I don't know. She didn't even want him to announce that um, that she had a baby, but he made the announcement, which made a bigger argument between mm. the two of them. But now, um, I don't know how amicable they, how they are. I, I doubt it. Um, well, hopefully they can keep it, you know, suddenly am, you know, amicable for a child. Yeah. Because I always, Nas always said, you know, he had a baby back in like the Illmatic time as well. And he was like, I just wanted to provide a life for them that I wasn't able to have. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I hope, and he probably is able, he definitely is able to support his baby with Khalees in ways that he wasn't supported. Yeah. Just at least monetarily. 
Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I mean, but I don't really know enough about that to really speak on it. Yeah. A lot of back and forth, a bitter divorce, because you can imagine it gets into the blogs and the tabloids. You hear it and stuff like that. It was really bad. I don't know. They both accused each other of cheating. Maybe yeah. they both did. Maybe they both didn't. Who Who knows? Who knows? And who, um, we shouldn't care. Like, you know what I mean? That's their life. I and, don't. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I, I just like it better when kind of famous people date non-famous people because then you don't have to get involved yeah. in a way, right? Like, oh, we should also mention that when Nas signed with Def Jam, it was being the president was Jay Z mm-hmm. of the label. So at that point, it was officially like, yeah, well, let's just not do this anymore. Yeah, <laughs> we're good, right? Right. They used to see each other but not speak, and then finally, yeah. when they actually met face to face, yeah, yeah, and um, Jay Z actually asked Nas if he was all right because yeah. you know his like, mom had just passed away and yeah. stuff like that. And I could totally see that the two of them in particular don't strike me as malicious, shoot up the place type of people. If you really piss Jay Z off, he will stab you in the stomach. But or he'll get someone to shoot you. Yeah. But he's not going to do it himself. But yeah, he's not going to shoot Nas. Like, you know, um, I could see him kind of letting something like that be gone because he sees Nas as his uh, contemporary. And Jay-Z is the type of guy, I feel, who needs to be the big dog. Yeah. when Yeah. And that is a weird thing because he was technically like his boss, I guess, mm-hmm. in that situation. But then, well, it's, well I will kind give him credit. He said um, in an interview, right? He was like, you don't sign an artist like Nas. You right. can only partner Part- yeah. with an artist like Nas. So yeah. that shows a lot of respect. And for him, that's that's big for him, I think, to be able to say, like, you know, to throw that shit behind when clearly he lost the beef that he started. Yes. Yeah, so you he know definitely what I mean? Did. I mean, Jay-Z put the hammer down on the radio stations, okay? When when uh, Nas was like, plus Eminem murdered you on your own track. We never heard Renegade on the radio ever again. Yeah. Renegade was a song of Eminem and Jay-Z where Eminem's verse was crazy. Right? Yeah. And then, so yeah, but that is actually really funny. When you told me that, I was like, that's wild. Never heard. And it used to come on a lot. Okay. Because they talk about payola and stuff like that. Jay-Z had New York radio in a Mm chokehold. Okay. Like mornings and nights you know mm. so what about afternoons um maybe maybe some afternoons as well what about brunch time <laughs> possibly a brunch time oh man yeah um, but yeah but i also want to say like if you are like we said before jay-z is an artist you know he's a sensitive guy and if you are an artist and you have obviously a lot of respect for hip-hop mm-hmm. you're going to at some point appreciate Nas for what he's done yeah. and how talented he is. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, if you're really objective about it, you're just like, this guy is fucking great. Like, why would it, like, why should we be fighting? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I think it is cool that they ended up, you know, kind of partnering together in that way. Yeah. After all that shit. Me too. I really do. Um, I felt that was great. I loved seeing them. I forgot what video it was. I loved seeing him, Diddy, and Jay-Z all together in a room, you know, with like suits on and mm-hmm. stuff like that because in in our eyes like as like young hip hoppers watching them they kind of crossed the threshold they made it to the other side where it's like a rapper's career around when they first came out like in the 90s a rapper's career you would love you would be lucky if you lasted like 4 or 5 years yeah you know like big daddy kane is still seen as a king of new york but his rap career pretty much just went from like 87 to like 89 well i always think about that with like run dmc yeah because they they were the shit for a while and then literally like five years later like no one right that's not the thing right you know what i mean yeah it just became so different like you think of run dmc versus biggie Mm -hmm. there's only what six seven years in between and like it could not be more different about what is it absolutely because people would forget about you really fast you think you had a short attention span now like if you went to jail for like a year as a rapper that's it you could just kiss your career goodbye because nobody would care about you when you came out the next year but that I mean now it's totally different yeah now you can make songs of jail and it's all good yeah now it's like it's like Jay and them they're like the 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 rolling stones of the rap era you know what I mean it's like wow they're still on stage like wow they can still make albums like wow they could put out an album and people will still like it like yeah you know well I guess that's that's like him Snoop yeah you know not to not to bring the fucking west coast into this but uh (laughs) Yeah. We got to because Jay-Z wrote for Dr. Dre. How about that? <laughs> Ghost Rider. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we could talk about... We could do a podcast on Dr. Dre for sure. Dun, 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 hell yeah. <laughs> 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 but 
So obviously Nas is one of those people that, you know, surpassed that expectation mm-hmm. and is still around. And it is really crazy. Like when you think of, you know, he was 17 when he was really getting into this shit and he's still around. And it's like, and he was kind of bestowed as being this prodigy, as being like the next one. And he, you know, he faltered a little bit during that era we were talking about where, you know, he was like kind of losing, you know, his credibility a little bit. Right. But he's been here the whole time. Yeah. He's been around Mm -hmm. and he's still fucking alive, Mm -hmm. which is a big deal when you're talking about this shit. Exactly. 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 It's, It's a good thing to see them not only make it to the other side, but to look healthy still, you know what I'm saying? And still be able to still get accolades. I think he's doing something at, is it Yale or Harvard? I know there's a course based on him and I forgot which Ivy League school Like studying his lyrics? Yeah. Oh shit, I didn't even hear about that. Yeah, it's one of the Ivy League school. I learned about this a few years ago, so I didn't check on it in my research for this podcast, but I know about it. That there's a course like studying his lyricism or he's definitely involved. And I don't know which Ivy League. This is is something I want to say, because, um, I mean, we talked about this before. The second podcast we ever did was Biggie, and I think Biggie's the greatest ever, just based on, like, his flow and the way that he sounds and the way that he, like, goes on the beat. Mm -hmm. But, like, if you were to, like, have a sheet of Biggie lyrics printed out and just reading it, and then you would have it next to a sheet of Nas lyrics, like, reading it, like, I wouldn't just sit there and read Biggie lyrics with no beat. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But with Nas, it's like, that's poetry by itself. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't... It's way cooler because it's with a beat, and it's gonna... More people are gonna be open to it because it's in music, and mm-hmm. obviously music crosses so many barriers and opens so many doors to people. But, like, just as far as the words and the lyrical content, like, it's just so fucking deep. Yeah. Like, he is, like, the epitome of, like, a, like a hood poet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, the shit that he was writing and just the way that he was describing things... And the vocabulary that he used, it just really is like one of the highest forms of poetry. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Mm-hmm. That is for sure. I mean, what a cool thing. What a cool gift to have and to share with everybody in the world. I love when they talk about Nas, how they say like when he was um, younger coming up in the game, how he didn't like to be outside. You would not see him and stuff like that because that was the word on the street. Like... Nas was like just coming up and he would be at small venues so Mm -hmm. probably Parkside Lounge which is like (laughs) an open mic that we play and like areas like that downtown Manhattan and what we would hear all the time is that Nas did not show up like for the show I don't know if it was a promoter issue Mm. I don't know what it was but he used to never show up Mm. to shows and stuff like that which is funny you think that was purposeful to kind of like create it like a mystique who knows because people didn't seem upset you know what i'm saying where it's like you know you start a riot or something like that no shootouts happen people were just like oh damn because there are probably other people on the bill maybe yeah that were just as great but or or close close to being close you know (laughs) yeah like it would probably be i don't know who was who's popping around then with them yeah it would probably be like let's say nas and the Lost Boys, you mm. know what I'm saying? So that's like Mr. Cheeks, they're from Queens too. And um, uh, God, this is for my peeps with the Lex Cruiser Beamers and the Benz, right? Those guys, right? So they're super live, right? They're gonna yeah, be yeah, on yeah. stage doing that. So if Nas doesn't show up with his deep thought poetry and stuff like that, and the like, Lost well, we'll Boys are this. there, yeah, yeah you'll yeah. be all right. right. Right, that's interesting. Well, yeah, that's pretty hilarious. Um. I sometimes I have a favorite rapper, sometimes I don't. Like, you know, sometimes I have a top five, sometimes I don't. Nas is definitely in there in my top five. He may not be my number one. It kind of jumbles around from time to time. Right. But but he's definitely in there and should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well I get like I was saying, I mean the dude is he's a prodigy and he's he's he this is how am I trying to say this? He's took he's taken that potential that he had as a prodigy and he and he lived it Mm -hmm. because it could be so easy i mean there's so many things in this story like what if he was outside that day when fucking will got shot right it could have just none of this could have happened yeah what if you know um again like after will got shot what if he just decided i'm just gonna really focus on selling drugs and making money right instead of focusing on the rap we wouldn't be talking about him right now it's true you know what i mean and there would be such a piece of of hip-hop history missing mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. so there's all these little things that could have happened for him to not be like who he was and who he became yeah but he at the in the at the end of the day he always was focused on his mission and what he was trying to do yeah and 
here we are. And we're still talking about him. He's still alive. He's put out like an album like a couple months ago or some shit. Yeah, like, yeah, just recently. And I think, uh, oh, I think it's called King's Disease Part 2. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. King's Disease gets the Grammy. Yes. That's what it yes, is. Yes, that's okay. what it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Redeemed. <laughs> yeah, so the dude's winning Grammys now. All right, talk your shit somewhere else. Right? That is crazy. Like, you know, you're, you've put out your first album... And it's an absolute classic when you're like 18, mm-hmm. and then that, and then when you're like 40 something, you get your first Grammy. Yeah, like that. That's just a that's persistence. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's just a that's just a, a testament to that. Mm-hmm. You Absolutely. know what I mean. So there's just so many things uh, great about him. Yeah, not just the talent, because mm-hmm. you can have a lot of talent, but if you don't put the work behind it and the persistence, you're not gonna go where you should. Exactly. And that wasn't that's not an issue with him. No, not at all. Not at all. Definitely one of Queen's finest. Definitely one of New York's finest. And if you're in New York City, stop by his restaurant on Flatbush Avenue called Sweet Chick. I heard the food's good. Sweet. I feel like I might have been there. Probably. That sounds so familiar. Is it Park Place or St. Mark's? Flatbush in there? I don't know. We're going to look this up later. Uh Uh-huh. For anyone that doesn't doesn't know your North, why why are you talking about all these city streets? I don't know where the fuck this is. (laughs) But, um... Yeah, um, I don't know. What else should we say? What else should we say about the legend? Thank you, Nas, for your legendariness. <laughs> thanks for being. A, thanks for being you. <laughs> but yeah, he's just the best. Um, thanks for watching. Um, I was gonna say, if you don't know all of his music, you should go listen to it. But if, if this, if you're listening to the podcast at this point, fucking yeah. over an hour in, there's no way you don't know some of Nas music. Exactly. Like, exactly but he has made some bangers even the stuff he does check out all the stuff he does off the grid in a way too because he's not a gangster rapper but he'll make a song with raekwon mm-hmm. he'll make a song with mob deep mm-hmm. and stuff so yeah check that version of nas out too yeah so shout out to nas shout out to queensbridge yeah we didn't even mention how he kind of he made the album with his dad the kind of like, oh shit yeah, yeah 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 well after his mom died right he really wanted to reach out and connect with his dad and yeah he, yeah he ended up making music with his dad which uh-huh. is really fucking cool yeah i love the way his dad sounds on those blues things right it's yeah, that old yeah. blues voice that you just want to hear and he he's from mississippi that's amazing yeah so I don't he know why, but it is yeah no he, he yeah fuck i can't believe we almost forgot to mention that yeah we gotta mention that shout out to oludara and shout out to nas uh bridging the gap and you know reconnecting with his dad mm-hmm. who, you know i've Obviously, his talent, most of his talent came from, you know. Musically, at least. Musically, yeah. you know, not his talent for, I don't know, making money or good looking kids. Yeah, I don't know. Wait, that did come from his dad. <laughs> I don't And his mom. I don't, I don't know. Just, uh. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so shout out to both of them. Um, like we were saying, shout out to Queensbridge. Mm-hmm, for sure. Shout out to just the hip hop culture at NYC in general, I guess. Yeah. Because really, I feel like it, there was a point where it was kind of like Queensbridge and South Bronx. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. those were like the those were like the hubs. I didn't Jungle say that. Oh, he was like, I thought he was like, I thought we made hip hop up in Queensbridge. He said he thought it was from there. <laughs> Prove to me that it wasn't. You know what I'm saying? Oh my god! Imagine growing up like that. It's all out in the park. Like they're literally out in the park. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So. That, that is what it is. That's the story of Nasir Jones, a.k.a. Nas, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Nasty Nas, yeah, who was originally, I don't Esco. even think we said that. No. He was originally Nasty Nas. I think we did in the beginning. I don't know if you fucking remember. Nasty Nas to Esco Escobar. Yeah. Now he is not. <laughs> yeah, so all the shout outs. Shout out to you for watching. Uh-huh. If you're still here. Um, this has been another episode of Music Maniacs for Sight After Dark. If you like the podcast, go to patreon.com slash musicmaniacs. Uh, support. Help us keep doing this. Hopefully, um, with your help, we'll be able to do this more, make more episodes, all that good stuff. Uh, but until next time, mm-hmm. we're Sight After Dark. We are. And we'll see you soon.